You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. This week on South Bend Beat, we had Roxanne and Audrey from the Family and Children's Center. They were fantastic. We talked their background, what they do day to day to help those um, within their agency, uh, how they got through COVID, some things they've had going on and what they have coming up. And this episode brought to you by Martin Supermarkets. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, anything in between. They're fantastic. Can't thank them enough for being a fantastic sponsor. And enjoy this episode with Roxanne and Audrey. Roxanne and Audrey, how are we today? Doing good. Doing well, thank you. So I wanted to, I want to talk about a broad array of a few things. Um, I want to start with a little bit of background, though. Uh, let, let's start, are you... We'll start with Roxanne. Roxanne, are you local? Are yes. You okay. Um, so we are just actually down the street from your studios, but we serve St. Joseph County, Indiana. Did you grow up here or are you a transplant? I, I'm a transplant. So okay. I grew up in St. Joe County, Michigan. Okay. Close enough. Yeah. Yes. Okay. How about you? From South Bend. Kind of lived all over the place, but South Bend has always been my hub. That That's I interesting. Where are some other places you've lived? I uh, spent a lot of time in the UP of Michigan. Okay. Um, grew up more in Michigan, but here in Indiana, lived all over Texas and different places. What is, I mean, other than South Bend, obviously, what's your favorite place you've lived? Oh, I love like the South Dakota area, like the Black Hills. Really? Mm-hmm. It's okay. really nice. Are you into the outdoors? Kind of, sort of, okay. here and there. Okay, I am. Glamping. Yeah, exactly. I like to have like indoor bathrooms yeah. and, and <laughs> indoor those plumbing, nice electricity, <laughs> and then I'll I'll look at nature all you want, but yeah, don't, yeah. don't just give me a tent. And I don't mind going out four wheeling and getting dirty, but then I need to come home where there's a nice <laughs> yeah. shower and I can relax and get clean. Preach. All right, so let's start with uh, let's start with so family and children's center. Just a brief overview, maybe the elevator pitch um, for people. I'm sure most listeners have at least heard of you, uh, but a little bit of elevator elevator pitch to give us a little bit more depth. Absolutely. So Family and Children's Center actually started as an orphanage, um, getting children off what they called the orphan trains. Um, So that was 140 years ago. Um, Over that time, we have done a myriad of things. Um, With that being said, our programs now really focus on child abuse prevention and really strengthening our families. So we've done the orphanage, we've done adoptions, we've done even residential care, a lot of therapy over the years, um, but really honed in on where we're at now in that prevention piece. Okay, so what does, um, you're both in leadership on that side, what does a typical day look like for you, you two? We start with start with you. So my day, I have kind of a an overarching position. So my job is to make sure that our staff um, feel comfortable with mental health issues or maybe some of those high risk things. So I do a lot of in the background. I review a lot of the charts, just kind of get an idea of who are the families we're serving, what are some of their needs, and then I work collaborate with the home visitors to kind of have some conversations about. What are some potential needs that we see for this family or some resources that I might want to recommend? 
just make sure that the staff feels comfortable and educated to help our families in the best way. You're kind of always looking for ways to streamline things or make things more efficient and, I guess, comfortable, probably, mm-hmm. best way. What about you, Roxanne? Well, honestly, as an executive director of a nonprofit, I don't know that there is a, a typical or normal always day. <laughs> it's always a little different. Um, so some days it's really focused on program needs. Other days it may be on fundraising, certainly on grants, um, events that are coming up, hiring needs, if we have any staffing issues, certainly doing budgets and um, that kind of fun stuff too. So it really is quite a diverse uh, day every day for me. Um, but I always say there's never a dull moment. So that makes things go fast and quick. So you mentioned fundraising and, and a more fun way to do fundraising. I know you just wrapped up the Michiana Masters. Yes. How did that go? Fantastic. So that was our 18th Michiana Masters uh, fundraiser, and that's always our biggest fundraiser of the year. So we spent our third year out at Blackthorn Golf Course on Thursday, um, and just a wonderful day all around. Um, We have such great support of that event year after year. um, So that's always a fun day for all of us. The players are amazing. No, No, not at all. Putt, putt, top golf. Well, top, uh, putt, putt. putt. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a golfer either, but uh, uh, I love doing the golf as a fundraiser, especially so the weather probably played pretty nice this year. It was it was decent. It wasn't uh, sunny and beautiful. Okay. It was overcast, and we had about 15 minutes of rain. But compared to what the predictions were, we were thrilled with that outcome. Yeah, um, this time of year, like you never know, you'll take that. Yes, yeah. outdoor events are uh, a little nerve wracking from the weather standpoint, but it's not what we can control. We came prepared. We had our umbrellas and raincoats. So you're ready to rock. We're ready. Good. Let's let's talk about a few of the other initiatives you do. I know, um, I mean, if any of the listeners, you pop on the website, it, it breaks everything down um, from the history of until now. Let's talk about a few of the other initiatives that you have. Um, I guess maybe a few that stand out. Absolutely. So each April, um, we do what we call an April awareness event. So April is National Child Abuse Prevention Awareness Month. Um, So that's really a big month for us since our mission in all of our programming really centers around that um, theme. So this year we had Dave Pelzer come to town. He is the author of A Child Called It. Um, And in recent past, we've actually had Elizabeth Smart um, as well as um, Jerry Sandusky's uh, adopted son. So each obviously having very different stories of abuse and neglect in their own personal lives and how they've been able to overcome and really move forward from those experiences and share how others can do that. And Dave's theme was very much around, you know, finding humor and finding the good in life, even when, you know, things may look pretty bleak and things may be incredibly difficult, um, but that we can find that good and that humor to move forward um, with our stories. So you've, you've brought in some pretty recognizable names then for this event. Yes, that's um, always our goal. Um, that really is always our goal. Uh, when was, so you said you brought in Elizabeth Smart. Yes, she was fantastic. Um, so she was the first one we brought in. So it was kind of a big go big or go home. Um, she, we brought her that's in. Sold out in, you know, hours, literally, of 600 tickets down at Century Center. Um, That was several years back. I couldn't even tell you. I think it was 18, maybe, 2018. Um, And she was just fantastic, like, just a good person inside and out and articulate and bright and, like, all of those things that you see on the outside, but just generally a good human being Um, and easy to talk to, easy to work with. 
Um, and obviously a powerful story that right. pretty much all of us, at least in our generations, know. Um, I mean, I remember growing up and seeing her on the cover of every magazine and yep. news story for months until she was located and then certainly well after. Yep. Talk to me about brain training. So brain training is actually where I started. I started in that program as the program manager, and I love brain training. So that's what got me into this program and, and wanting to help our families. So Brain Train offers play-based sessions. So okay. the families come into our facility and we kind of help moms interact with dads too, predominantly moms, but help our families interact and um, engage in play-based activities to help promote learning, sensory development, um, language skills, all those fine motor skills, all that good stuff. So what... I want to get a little bit into your background with Family Children's Center. When you came in, like, did you go up to Brain Train, or did you start immediately with Brain Train and then go up from there? Did started, yep, started in Brain Train, okay. um, and actually left for a little while because I'm a counselor by trade, and so okay. I was kind of looking for a counseling position, and then this mental health consultant position opened up, and Roxanne had reached out to me, so I was very excited to come back because I love Family Children's Center, and got to see a different side of the program. So I went from brain train to now I'm on the healthy family side of things. And um, one of the greatest things I love about all of our programs is that they're free. Mm -hmm. You know, that is one of the greatest selling points when I was calling our moms and our families and saying, you know, I have this free program, get out of the house, you know, come and we'll have this play session this time for you to learn these really great ways to interact with your kids and, and just some different fun activities. And there's right now there's some COVID restrictions, but we would do groups and so it was a really nice way for the kids to kind of interact and, and build those social skills. And I just love that. That's, that's fun. I get to play with kids for work. You know, that's really fun. And you mentioned Healthy Families. What is Healthy Families? So Healthy Families is one of our other programs. So that is our home-based program. Mm -hmm. So that is where a home visitor will actually come out and bring different resources or information. Um, we've been really fortunate through COVID to be able to provide a lot of additional resources like food, um, diapers, wipes, those kinds of things that have been hard to get to are hard to get out to the store and get to them. So um, thanks to grants and different supports that we've received, we've been able to actually take those things out to the homes. So to go backwards a little bit, like even professional education careers before you got into your current roles, um, start. so you said you were in counseling or a counselor? <laughs> I am. And yeah. that's how you transitioned into Family Children's Center? Yep, so okay. I've always worked in the social fields in some capacity, but I am okay. a licensed mental health counselor. Love it. What about your background? So I actually started my career at Family and Children's Center as an outpatient therapist okay. um, many, many moons ago. Um, so I always say my previous life, I was a therapist, um, and I did that for eight and a half years. And at that point, uh, Family and Children's Center closed their outpatient therapy services and really focused on the prevention services. So I left for a couple years, took another role uh, locally as a treatment director, as a case may be of a foster care agency. And then when a position opened up back at Family and Children's Center, I came back to Family and Children's Center. So I've always said, like, that's kind of where I'm born and raised. Um, I've spent all of my career minus two years at Family and Children's Center, wow. obviously in different capacities. So I was a therapist. I was clinical coordinator actually came back um, as the program manager of Healthy Families. And then about a year into that, um, our board asked me to take the executive director role as we were shifting some things within the organization. That's fantastic. Are there a couple facts or notes about like the need locally and the work you're doing locally that would surprise people? I... <laughs> I think there's all sorts of things that would surprise people. I think I think the reality is that we 
may or may not really understand what happens in our neighbors' homes um, or even understand the level of financial need. And I think that's been really, I think for better or for worse, that's been highlighted throughout COVID is that families that were struggling before COVID um, and as we even move out are continuing to struggle at a higher rate than everybody else. Um, And then you add inflation in. And so we really focus on some of those basic needs because the reality is um, it's pretty hard for me to do fun play-based activities, which we find great value in um, because the children need that. And so do the parents from a healthy relationship standpoint. But if I don't know how I'm paying my electric bill, that's going to get shut off tomorrow. um, It's going to be really hard for Audrey to engage me in, the importance of reading and playing with my child, even though that's critical to their development, the reality is there are families that are on the brink of, of disaster or that are making decisions of how do I feed my baby and put gas in my car to go to work to make with the next paycheck. And those are decisions that are just really hard to walk through with families of how do we problem solve around that. You know, and frankly, South Bend is a very resource heavy um, area as far as nonprofits go. We're very blessed in that way. But a lot of people don't know how to use those resources or don't even know that they exist or, or they change. For help. Definitely ashamed to ask for help too is the other thing that we run into. Mm-hmm. We've had so many moms say like, that? no, no, don't bring me food, yeah. you know, give it to somebody else who really needs it. Like they're, they're, they don't seek these things. They're not out begging for, oh, we need this. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, we want to help you. Oh, well, no, you know, I'll try to figure it out. Like, but that's why our program exists. And so I don't know if it would surprise people, but that's the thing is I think people being afraid to ask for help or to utilize resources, that there's stigma or there's that, well, I don't want to take from somebody else who maybe needs it, you know. So our hope is to go out and provide those resources and say, this is available to you. You know, we want to provide it. You do meet the qualifications. Like, this is a help. This is a hand up. You know, we're very careful in saying that. Like, we're not just bringing this to you to, you know, take care of you or giving this to help you through this hard time until you can get those resources or get a job or get child care, or get these things that will help you get through because COVID has hit everybody. Right. And our families especially have really struggled through child care is a big one. You know, a lot of places being shut down. How can you go to work if you're, you're home with your kids, you know, or you don't have anybody else to help you out, take care of your kids. So I think child care is across the board. A lot of people struggle with that, but that's a hard one for our families. And it's a very unique skill set on your side to, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of pride involved, and they're prideful. Mm-hmm. Don't want it to be seen as a handout and to just be able to do your job and your mission um, in a way that you do. It's it, it, it's fantastic, and I, I assume that's a that's a daily struggle, probably. You know, it is. Um, yep. Um, and there is always, I mean, and then you just add in, you know. We had a family over in the wintertime that had a house fire and lost everything. So then some of those, what we would consider, you know, those are things that happen in everybody's lives. But um, if you don't have insurance then, or um, I get sick and I don't have health insurance because I can't afford it. I mean, there's just so many barriers. I don't know that um, everybody really understands the level of those in the community because we do have so many resources and we have very, I mean, all of us have driven through very wealthy areas um, in South Bend and even the neighboring towns. Um, but there are a lot of areas that are not so fortunate and families that are not so fortunate. And you mentioned COVID. Um, I'm sure you've spoken about COVID many times over. I want to specifically focus on the early days, like the very beginning of COVID. Um, what did that look like from your viewpoint? So I was, 
optimistic or unrealistic. I sent my staff home for two weeks, put a really, what I thought was a really solid two week plan in place of how we were going to continue to connect with families virtually. It's gonna be real short term, two weeks. Um, that same day, we brought out as many emergency supplies as we could to our families with that being said. And within 24 hours, we're doing virtual services to support the families. And then if they really were in crisis and needed something, we would run those out from a safety perspective. Um, and so that shift was almost overnight in those early days. And then as it became pretty obvious that it wasn't going to be two weeks, it was going to be three, it was going to be four, um, we kept having those conversations and really open conversations because our healthy families in-home program, we're serving hundreds of babies. So we're talking, you know, and pregnant women that cannot afford, and especially in the early days, nobody really knew um, kind of the ins and outs of COVID. And I don't know that we do now with that being said, but um, to really know the extent. So we were also very careful of not going into homes for a while and providing virtual support to our families because we knew they needed the support more than ever and that we could do that differently. Um, and I think we did a really good job of that. We did that for all of our programs. We shut our office down when it was clear it was going to be more than two weeks. And we really rallied our supporters around, um, like, send us donations, whether that's monetary donations or we had an Amazon wish list for basic needs, send that to our office. And then we were really deploying those out as soon as we possibly could get out to homes. Um, and again, safely with mask, hand sanitizer, we weren't going into homes, but we were doing what we call doorstep drops at that point to really provide those critical items. Um, with that being said, the process of getting those was in incredibly cumbersome um, because as everybody experienced, there were shortages, there were shelves cleared, there were limits. So uh, it was very much a labor of love to get that process done, but we got through it. Our staff was wonderfully adaptive. I mean, it, it was a challenge because they're skilled and they're trained to be in homes. Like I said, demonstrating and practicing those skills and modeling them. And now it's, okay, now I have to do it through a computer screen. Right. And and there was that bit of an adjustment period, but our staff are very passionate and they care about this work they're doing and figured out ways to do it. And show me baby and what are they doing? And right, kind of moving around the home virtually. So how, how did that adapt? Like at, at what point? Um, as, as we moved through COVID and you were able to go back being at home, did you see, was there a larger influx in help needed? Did it level off? I mean, did you see any? It's really ebbed and flowed is what I would tell you. Um, and some of it really is based on the families that are in the program at the time. So there are, there, it has ebbed and flowed. Of course, our, our recent issues is formula, as is everybody's around here. Um, and so, you know, what I always say is like in if I had a baby at home, which I, I do not at this point, but if I had a newborn at home, I have the the luxury and I am fortunate enough that I could go store to store to store. I could go to 15 stores without thinking about it. Yes, that's a very stressful process to get the formula my baby needs. Or pay extra to order online. Exactly. So, and the prices are way up with the extra online. But so like I have some resources and some, some perks in my where I'm at in the world. And our families may not have the transportation to do that. If they have the transportation, our gas prices are really high, so they don't have the money to put the gas in. Um, so you think there's a lot more barriers that they face than just, I'm gonna have to go to a dozen stores to get the formula I need, which is stressful. And I don't wanna minimize that for anybody, but I think that is a different level of stress than I can't find what I need. Almost impossible sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the barriers that families have. And I will say, like, we, 
the barriers our families have are extraordinary. And then you see extraordinary strength to get through those barriers too. Um, and that strength comes from resilience and really our staff working with them. And like Audrey said, the passion of our staff to really assist them in those processes and building those skills. And we try to do some of the back leg work as far as finding, okay, where are places they can go? And then we send that information to them and saying, try here. You know, this mm-hmm. is a place that we know to hopefully be a good resource so they're not having to run around and do that. And that's a big part of what Healthy Families specifically does is connecting our moms to the community resources so they're not having to do all that legwork of running around and trying all these different places. It's, oh, you need formula? Here's a good resource for that. Here's access to a food pantry, right? We provide that information so that they don't have to, I'm short on food this month. What do I do? Love it. Looking forward, I know in a couple months, um, you have the candy run. Yes. So tell us about the candy run. So Saturday, July 23rd will be our third annual candy run. So that is a motorcycle ride that the funds um, raise go directly back into our programming. Okay. Um, And so you said it's the third one. And it's, yes. it's, it's motorcycle led. Like what, like what is the event? Explain. I'm not a motorcycle guy. So explain to me like what it, what it is. So the riders get to go from stop to stop. So we have um, linked with several local organizations, mm-hmm. even out into Niles. And what they do is they go to a stop each place. And so, so like one of them is um, Vince's candy shop. It's Vince, Vince's. Wakarusa. The Wakarusa Dime Store. So one of them is Wakarusa Dime Store. They can go, they get a sample of candy, and then they can also purchase candy. There's different sales and discounts, and and then everybody kind of goes around. They can go at their own speed, go to these stops. They do kind of, we put them in order, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to go specifically in that order. And then we usually try to, like, end at a a main hub, like a Wings, et cetera, or, you know, and get some wings, have some food, and um, a portion of the proceeds usually go back to us. So... They get to go out, enjoy the weather, have the ride, and and some of those proceeds get to benefit us and our program. Whenever we have um, programs such as yours on and the leaders, uh, one thing I like to talk about mm-hmm. a little bit is fundraising because fundraising, um, it, it can be daunting, it can be taxing, and it, it can also, like, you get to be creative in the ways that you raise funds. Like, how, how much of your, let's say, a month do you have to, go into either fresh ideas or making sure a lot of these events, you said third year, somewhere mm-hmm. in the 18th year, I think yes. you mentioned. Um, how, how do you balance between we need fresh ideas for fundraising versus the ideas that we're currently doing are working? Let's right, raise those up. Yeah, so we are fortunate enough, we have a brand new uh, development director. So I think that in and of itself brings fresh ideals to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, Our board members also assist in that process. And then just actually this fall, we will be moving into strategic planning as an organization to discuss all pieces of the organization. But one of that really is, is fundraising. And are we we, um, fundraising to the level that we're we're comfortable with? Do we want to up that game? Is the candy run working? Is Michiana Masters working? Or should we be trying something new or looking at something different? So um, we are always kind of looking through that lens of adjusting. And, you know, 18 years of Michiana Masters, it's a pretty well-oiled machine, um, but we do like to tweak it. You know, there are always areas that you can improve and always areas that are like, no, we're doing that really well and we're not touching that area. So I think with the newer events, um, there's a lot more of the tweaks that happen. Um, but that's, to me, kind of the fun stuff too. So so you do enjoy fundraising a little bit? 
a, li- okay. a lot more than I did when I initially took the position because yeah, really? I came okay. from the program side yeah. of things. Um, so yeah, over time I've grown to really enjoy the fundraising piece. Um, the planning of is probably not as fun as the actual day yes. of. Yes, <laughs> everything is done. Yeah, you just get to enjoy the event. That's always really nice. Yeah. And that, and even you saying like day of event, you get everything's planned. You get to enjoy it. Just means the preparation was on point. You prepared very well. Is that? Is that very intentional too? Like we basically have like a calendar leading up to the day. Like we need to make sure that this is prepped and this is prepped so that the day of there's mm-hmm. no issues. Absolutely. A lot of hours go into events and getting everything right. Even we're talking about dropping materials off. Yeah. Like Roxanne was talking about, it's going to the stores, packing everything, getting it back to the office, getting it packed up for our families, making sure everything is labeled for each of the families. There's there's a lot of hours that go into making sure these resources are reaching our families. What advice would you give to a listener um, that wants to get a, whether it be your program or a similar program, like they just want to make a difference in the community? Um, we'll start with Audrey. What advice would you give? Uh, what would, would you give that listener on how to get involved and how to make a difference? Well, they can always don- donate financial means, of course, um, but just being mindful of, you know, things like the formula shortage. One of the recommendations is not overbuying, right? You know, we want to protect our own families and, and the things we have going on, but making sure you only buy what you need um, for, for everything, for food, all those things that we're kind of thinking of others in the community. And it's just a good tip in general. Taking, <laughs> taking what you need. You know, I know, yeah. again, we want that sense of security, but hopefully not overbuying help somebody else who also really needs it. Yeah. What advice would you give? I would say just reach out. So if you have an organization, whether it's ours or another one that you're kind of interested in, we work for nonprofits. We're happy to talk to almost anybody at any time about what we do because we do it because we're passionate. Like that's what we're called to do. Um, and I think that's who we are. So I think everybody at nonprofits is really ready to um, talk about how they can help. And sometimes it is absolutely donate your money if you can. But the reality is there are great people that can't donate money, but you know, they can help with a lot of, they can volunteer in an event. They can, um, you know, we do pictures with Santa, not recently in recent years, but like you can do some of that stuff, show up with coloring sheets and help entertain the kids or there's just so much that we can do. And what I always say is, um, you know, what may feel like a little bit of help to somebody really does impact the organizations. Um, And what I find is most people really do want to help and do good in the world. And they just really don't know where to start or they feel like, Oh, I don't have a lot to offer because I can't give financially. Um, But sometimes the best help really has nothing to do with finances. Yes. We need the fundraising piece. There are so many other needs that we have as an organization. And I think you get hooked too. We've had a couple volunteers, and they, and they become back. consistent. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's a great opportunity to give it back. That doesn't have to feel financial, and you get to kind of again be a part of once the event is all done. They don't have to be a part of the planning. They can actually just come and enjoy and help out. And it, and I think a lot of um, I think a lot of the hesitation from some people is like they might overthink it a little bit. They're like, well, I, I want to help, but what if I don't do things correctly or what if I'm not what they're looking for? You're saying that's not the case at all. Like, just come as you are, come ready to help, and you'll figure it out. Absolutely. Even if you're just coming to greet people and smile yeah. and be kind to somebody, you know, that's just an opportunity to come and share kindness in the world. So we talked about it kind of a little overarching, but before we wrap up here, um, a little bit more specifically on if people want to help, whether that's, give money, give time, like 
is it website, social media, email? Like what specifically do, what steps do they take um, in order to be able to do that? Absolutely. So they can go on our website. So that has ways to donate financially, volunteer, as well as even sign up and look at our program. So um, if you heard Audrey talk about the brain train and you're really interested in those play-based sessions, that's on our website. That's FCCIN.org. Um, and then we have a Family and Children's Center Facebook page. Uh, you could email us at marketing at FCCIN.org. And then certainly a phone call to the office. And that number is 574-968-9660. Perfect. I think, think we got quite a bit covered. Uh, Roxanne, Audrey, thank you for your time. Um, be sure to check them out. I'll, I'll put a few things in the show notes. Um, we'll put some of the event links in the show notes. And thank you for your time today. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Appreciate it. This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcasts.